Hello, everyone, and welcome to the eighth episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. I'm your host, SBJ, and yeah! with me today, I have Alan. You're back. Uh, I didn't think I was gone. I guess my mic wasn't working because I have a whole bunch of responses. But yeah, it's me, give Alan the, Girding. Give us the, sh- the cold shoulder last week. Uh, it was my mic. That's All right. Excuses. Uh, speaking of excuses, we have Justin here. I'm an excuse now. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's a step up. We're doing good. That's those uh, sweet transitions I have. Segways, some would say. The dream team. And, uh, and of course, to round <laughs> off our dream team, we have Sean with us today. Uh, hello, I am Sean McCoy's lawyer. Sean's not able to talk this week. He has... Legal problems, uh, possible merger, alleged murder. So he won't be on this week. I've advised him of such. That's crazy. It is a little shocking, some would say. I think it's just Sean doing a voice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We have an exciting show for you guys today. Let me lay it out. Uh, We're going to pick a winner for a free copy of Two Rooms and a Boom for leaving us an iTunes review. What? Yeah. Yeah. Have the winner, and uh, we're gonna do that again this month. I'm just giving away Tuesday night games left and right here. Um, so any review after November 5th, all the way up to November 30. Is there 31 days in November? No, 30. No, remember, remember the 5th of November. I know there's five days, it's a Guy (laughs) Fox day, which is Uh, the day of this recording, but yeah, from the day of this recording, which is November 5th to the end of November. Uh, we will count all those reviews as submissions to win a copy of Two Rooms and a Boom. So please leave us a review in iTunes. Uh, the more stars, the more chances you have to win. That's not true, but uh, we, we appreciate everyone's review reviews. After we pick a winner, we're going to move right into our table talk where we talk about what we've been playing for the week. After that, our featured segment is going to be talking about Kickstarter games, which ones we really liked, which ones we didn't. Um, I'm sure Alan has a lot to say about that because he is the world's biggest Kickstarter backer person. One of them. Yeah. Uh, some people would call it an addiction. So, <laughs> yeah. I've actually really cut back. I'm sorry, but for all the other people running Kickstarter campaigns. Your apologies. My apologies. Yeah. That I'm in recovery. <laughs> I still sneak some backs in. Gotta get your hit. Uh, and then we're going to... Yeah. Then we're going to end our show with uh, interrogation. Is that what we're calling it? Interrogation? Yeah, let's call it inter- interrogation. Um, and and w- where we all ask each other one question to try to get to know each other better. And that also helps you guys get to know us better. Because uh, some of you guys might think we're funny or entertaining or you're listening to this podcast for some reason or another. So with that being said, let me pick the winner real quick of the uh, free copy of Two Rooms and a Boom. That's going to go to... Wait, wait, wait! I'm so excited. I just want a dramatic tension to oh, build okay. before you just don't throw that name out. We got to do that. And I also want to say, I hope the winner is a vet because when we release this podcast, it's the day before Veterans Day. So thank you, veterans. There you go. 
Uh, I should add a little like drum roll sound bite. Or like Jaws like theme music. I hear it. I hear it. <laughs> uh, so the winner <laughs> the winner is Orange is the new I love you. Yay! And let me just read read the review here. Uh, titled Great Gaming Show, five stars. I've always been a fan of board games, but sometimes they can be hard to get into because of the cost. This podcast does a great job talking about different games, so I know if I'd like something or it would be worth buying for me. The show is lighthearted and fun, and they know what they're talking about, but don't take themselves too seriously. I listen every week. I think that was Sean's. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty sweet review yeah Thanks, it's a very man. yeah it's or, very uh, awesome review so uh orange is the new i love you uh please email email us at uh podcast at tuesday night games so we can get your shipping information and i can get that off to i think sean and then sean will get that sent out to you hey orange i orange you <laughs> Thanks awesome. for the review. yeah very cool, very cool. Let's move into our first segment here, which is Table Talk. It's time for a Table Talk. And uh, I'll go first, I'll be a little selfish, and say I have not been playing anything. My weekend plans to play Pandemic Legacy fell through. Oh man, that's not a good start to a Legacy campaign. Well, <laughs> that's true. I was, I was putting out feelers to see if I could get anyone to play, and the all people right. I did want to play... Um, they were all they were doing a Halloween party, and they were like, "Oh, you guys, you guys can come over." And I was like, "No, nah, that's all right. Like, that's cool. Um, I'll just stay at home." So, people you want to play do not include me, then, right? Uh, I- well, I already, I already. <laughs> had- <laughs> that's right. You guys live in the same neighborhood. So busted. I already had the two people picked out, but now that they they didn't seem very like high up on that, so I might have to resort to Justin plus one. Oh resort <laughs> take that step down maybe justin and i can help you i'm wondering when you say you send feelers out there how are you asking people because your presentation of invitation can make the difference so let me hear let's do a little role play you're asking us to join your pandemic group well yeah. <laughs> people saw the knife first and I, would, like, I wouldn't <laughs> say it's that i just i have i, have I know my... you would and i'm worried they would that's the whole point. Like maybe it's one of those blind spots. Um, I, it could be. So I have my group of friends, <laughs> and uh, and in any group of friends, there are like the couples where if you ask one of them to play, you're gonna get you're gonna get the other one, right? And the other one, in my situation, I know doesn't get along with my significant other. Is it they don't like? Your significant other, may we name her name, or is she that must not be named? Oh, Irene? Yeah, yeah, yeah Irene. We can so, name her name. Is it it's, that she doesn't like Irene, or Irene doesn't like her, or is it mutual? I don't think it's mutual. I just think that... Name names. Let's do this. <laughs> I think there is a miscommunication. It, it happens all the time when we play games, and I feel like there's a miscommunication where something ticks off one of another, and then that's that grudge is held throughout the entire game. So there's no way I'm going to go into a 12 game campaign hoping that that tension doesn't break early or late you know what i mean yeah is this why you're avoiding 
inviting Justin because that <laughs> invisible tension between the two of you. This is what I like to do on these podcasts is build dramatic tension between the members, even though it's probably not actually there. So, so I have no problem inviting Justin. I, I actually would be very happy playing Pandemic with Justin. But then it leads like I don't know who the fourth would be because my, my original plan was like two guys that knew each other pretty well, uh, and that got along with Irene and I. Um, but there was just yeah, there was the, the significant other mix up. So whatever. What was the group that befriends a couple, and then the couple breaks up? Because that has happened on numerous occasions with my game groups, and it's awkward as hell because it's the classic. Do they both oh. come back? Well, I mean, there's the I'm not going if she's going. I'm oh, not okay, going if he's going. It's like, uh, guys, don't make us choose sides. But it was, yeah, that's happened a couple of times throughout the years. That's when you don't choose sides, and you just make it as awkward for both of them to be there. Yeah, you just burn both bridges. You're just like, all right, see you guys. We got to find yep. a new couple. Like, I guess yeah. like, my my complaint is that especially with like significant others where it's almost like oh i'm going to this thing so you know you should come and then we're playing games so you should play games like i feel like they shouldn't feel pressured to play if they don't want to play absolutely and i don't know how to ever say that without being like well clearly you don't want to play so just don't play and then it's like well now you're not doing anything but why are you even here kind of like i know why you're here but why? It's just like it almost feels like everything is forced when it's like we're all adults. Just if you don't want to come, don't come. I'm sure I don't want to waste your time, and in that, in in return, I just respect that you don't waste my time, or in in this case, the group's time playing a game. It's Justin, you probably agree with this that the worst type of player, the sandbagger. Define it for me. Sandbagger. Well, the non-player, I would actually prefer. Someone says no thanks, and they do it politely. Uh, Sandbagger is someone who says, yeah, I guess I'll play, but all right. Yeah. And they just drag ass the entire time, making sure that their misery is shared with everybody else. I was Sandbagger? just going to say that. Like, I've got friends who, like, will bring their girlfriends and, like, like try to get them to play games. And then they'll be like, oh, do we have to? Like, oh, God, why? This game's so nerdy. I'm like, really? Then, like, just go home. Like, don't bring us all down because you're having a little hissy fit. Yeah. It's interesting because it's been males mostly for me. Like, the girls are like, yeah, sure, let's try it. Let's try it. They may say, like, I, I don't understand or just like anyone else would. But I know plenty of men that are the sandbaggers. And it's usually because they'd rather play something else. Not sure. Yeah, not to get confused with somebody who's who's hesitant to play because they don't totally want, different. Yeah. Yeah, they don't right. want to they, their hesitation is like they don't want to feel embarrassed that they don't understand or they don't know the rules. Or if it seems really complicated, I get that one a lot too. Yeah. Yeah, because it, I think the also the fear comes in with the three hour booby trap. Yeah, I'll play this game, but is it going to be three hours of my life? Because that's a huge buy-in. So I can, I can appreciate that as well. Speaking, well, uh, that was an unplanned off-topic thing, but I think it was good and constructive. Let's bring it back around here. Alan, have you played anything? Oh, man. I played so much. Here's the big reveal. It wasn't a mic problem last week. Last week? I was at Ravenwood Castle doing my Halloween event. Yes, it was amazing. So Tuesday Night Games did this event. 
And I want to paint this picture for you both so you can kind of experience. You guys ready for this? I'm excited. All right. Imagine <laughs> the world's favorite couple, SBJ and Justin, driving <laughs> along in southern Ohio. It's beautiful fall landscape because you're kind of in the middle of nowhere, kind of in the Hocking Hills area. There's nothing but hills and the autumn trees all over the place and and hilly trees all over the place. And you've been driving for a while without seeing anything. And then you come across a big wooden sign that says Ravenwood Castle this way. And it's a single lane dirt road that goes steeply up a hill. You decide, let's check it out. So you drive up this hill and there's trees on each side and it's getting darker. And then it parts way as you get to the top of the hill. And at the pinnacle of its height, there you see what is a castle. We're talking made of stone from medieval times castle. It's amazing. It has the great towers and you decide, you know what? Let's check out what's inside. And you have to walk across the drawbridge to find the big wooden doors. And you open these doors and inside you realize, oh my goodness, this is a castle inside and outside, up, down, left, right, everywhere. You see the great hall with an amazing fireplace and these huge dining tables for all knights in shining armor, or I should say suits of armor because they're not actually knights walking around, a dungeon, a pub. It's amazing. But what's even cooler is they have like an outdoor chessboard. You decide to go exploring outside a little bit and there's a path that goes down into what only can be described as probably one of the most adorable villages you've ever seen populated with these themed cottages. For instance, there's the woodcutter cabin and the woodcutter cabin is made out of wood and it has these posts that seem they're directly chopped off from gnarled tree branches and inside there's actually a growing tree so it's built around this tree. There's the tea maker's cabin which is something right out of Alice in Wonderland with its great vermilion color and old, a whole bunch of different types of cottages. And that was actually one of the coolest parts as a surprise because to me, the castle was really cool, but this village was epic, like the clock tower cabin where it was a clock tower. You go inside and it has this huge vaulted ceiling. It seems like something right out of Notre Dame. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, it was so cool. But the entire weekend was hosted by Professor Vanguard, the mad professor, because the whole thing was the mad professor's hollow, wicked weekend of social experiments, where I got to host an amazing group of people because that was the best thing about it was the people involved, all these guests who I never met before. They all just came in, not even knowing what this was going to be exactly because I gave a vague, vague description. And there was a couple families, a lot of couples, like there was two anniversaries going on. There was a honeymoon going on and these adorable families and some other couples. It was just amazing. And they were very complimentary as far as how much fun they were having. And these are the games we played. So circling back, imagine you walk in and there you're greeted with me in costume. Hey, I'm the mad professor. And we played a whole bunch of games. We played the curse of the worst which is what we demoed in our Halloween episode two episodes ago. There was plenty of werewolf, which went over really well. What kind of werewolf? What kind of werewolf? You know, the thing was this. I really wanted to play ultimate werewolf, but I played regular vanilla werewolf, Whoa. including no seer. It was just werewolves. And let me tell you why. This is a pretty uh, 
green inexperienced group. And this was down in the dungeon pub. So we're in the pub and so just imagine a tavern right out of medieval times, really cute fireplace going. And there wasn't really a way to make a circle of people and people were constantly ordering drinks and laughing. And I didn't want to cut out the merriment and say like, Hey, everyone stop what you're doing and do everything that I want you to do. But I was able to organize them enough to get into a game of werewolf. So everyone's still sitting in a restaurant type pub setting. So I decided not to make it too fancy for the first one. And I'm really glad I did. And I just walked around, around tapping who should be the werewolves on the shoulders. Because again, we're talking like 50 people. So I just ran it by the seat of my pants. And instead of needing a majority of votes, I just said, if you think this person should be hanged this evening, it will take 15 votes, right? So I, I just try to make it as quick as possible. And it went really well. A lot of people seemed to have fun. And the cool thing was when people were eliminated, they didn't care. They just kept on drinking their ale and their mead and sat back and laughed. It just was a really feel good time where everyone was there just to have fun, not necessarily competitive gaming at all. Uh, so that was probably the main event. And what was interesting is I was really excited to do two rooms and a boom, but I was retheming it two rooms and a boo. But that didn't go over so well because <laughs> for two rooms and a boom, you need two rooms and some organization and you have to be able to walk around. So physically, people weren't really in the mood because some people weren't playing. So imagine like having a group of people that are in the midst of other people that aren't playing with two rooms. So if I were going to do it again next year, I'd make sure I would run that event in the great hall as opposed to the pub where there's all these restaurant tables. I'd make sure I'd clear some space. Like I did for Thingy. Thingy was not played in the pub. Thingy was played in the Great Hall. Uh, really cool. And other games we played was the Sorting Splat. Uh, the main event was Deathly Deals. All sorts of different games. But the big winners really seemed to be Spyfall. Seemed to be really popular with these, these groups. They really liked One Night Ultimate Werewolf. And, uh, and recently I got to play One Night Revolution as well. And my name's in the credits for that one. But anyways, that's can, what I've been playing. What can, do you guys uh, want? Yeah, please, ask away. Can you go more in depth with uh, One Night Revolution since that, that actually, I believe, just came out last week? Yes, One Night Revolution. So, should we do the elevator pitch? Uh, yes. All right. <clears throat> mastered the elevator music. Cool, yeah, cool. What we need to do is master the ding. Someone ding me. Ding. Oh, hey, uh, welcome. We're in this elevator together. I better not waste any time, and I should tell you about this game, One Night Revolution. I'm not sure if you've heard of One Night Werewolf or One Night Vampire, but now, Indie Board and Cards got together with Bezier Games and decided to make One Night Revolution. So imagine you're sitting around with a group of your friends. It could just be four, it could be eight, but a few of you are spies, and the rest of you are part of the resistance, and you're not sure. So each of you get an allegiance card, an ID card that you look at so you know if you're a spy or you're resistant. Then these special ability cards get passed out. They're roll cards. So each one has a special ability that they can do. But the ability is different based upon your team. So for instance, if you're the reassigner, it's different if you're a resistance member or if you're a spy member. So you go through and everyone closes their eyes and you take turns opening your eyes and doing your ability, which could be things like changing people's IDs or touching the person next to you. 
everyone opens their eyes after everyone's done their ability and everyone votes to go ahead and eliminate a player. If they eliminate a spy, the resistance wins, but if they don't eliminate a spy, uh, uh, the spies win. That's One Night Revolution played in just five minutes. So it's very, very similar to One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Uh, it's very similar to One Night Werewolf. And here's my honest take on it is it's definitely a step to the left and more advanced from One Night Werewolf because in One Night Werewolf, your allegiance and your abilities are attached. So if you're a seer, you have the seer ability in One Night Werewolf, but you also have the seer's ability. In this one, your abilities and your allegiance are detached. So someone may have an ability to change your allegiance and no one's really has an ability that I know of or that I played with that can change your ability. It's just that your ability is different based upon your allegiance. It does have some complaints uh, that I think need to be worked through. First of all, there's no app and the instruction manual needs some errata because it doesn't thoroughly explain each of the roles. And that's one thing really noticeable because with the Bezier Games versions of One Night Ultimate Werewolf and One Night Vampire, there's definitely a character guide for each of the characters. Mm -hmm. And they even have a nifty app that walks you through everything. I love that thing. It's so great. It's amazing, right? Right? And in fact, here's a quick pitch. Ashley Birch from Hey Ash, What You Playing does the female voice for that app. So that's super cool too because I'm a fan of Ashley Birch and her brother Anthony Birch, who's the designer of World Championship Russian Roulette. So it comes full circle and me being selfish <laughs> once again, promoting a Tuesday night game. But – uh, no app and no really good game descriptions. Uh, I should say ability descriptions. For instance, there's an ability that one character has where you have three cards in the middle, just like One Night Werewolf, that no one uses. And if you can go ahead and if you are a spy, you can go ahead and take one of those middle cards that's a spy and assign it to someone who isn't a spy. But the problem is it doesn't tell you do you get to look at all three of the middle cards until you find a spy? Do you just get to look at one card in the middle? We didn't look it up. We just played it. Like you get to look at all and find the one spy that's in the middle. Is that assuming that there's no other spies that you see? No, it's a special ability. It's known as the reassigner and it's different if you're a spy or resistance. And the other thing is, this is my other note, the names of the jobs, the abilities aren't really intuitive. Like the reassigner, the observer, the investigator, it, it doesn't have as easy of a learning curve, in my opinion, as One Night Werewolf, like the seer and the drunk and the troublemaker. They have a more thematic and it makes sense. But I've never really heard someone being called a reassigner. <laughs> but I have heard someone been called a drunk before. <laughs> it's it's weird because it sounds like the game is almost like a step back from One Night Ultimate Werewolf. It, well, it sounds like they really tried to incorporate more of Resistance into the game. Yeah, and the weird thing is Resistance, and I'm not sure why. I have to do my research because it's called One Night Revolution, and it was originally called One Night Resistance. And Travis Worthington put a post on Kickstarter backers that said there is too much confusion between One Night Revolution and an expansion to – I'm sorry, One Night Resistance and expansion to Resistance – so he changed the name from One Night Resistance to One Night Revolution so people wouldn't think it's an expansion. But the grapevine has told me it was more like of a legal issue perhaps of the original designer not wanting it to. So they're not even called spies in resistance. 
They're called... Damn it, I should have remembered this. Blue team that, and red team. <laughs> that's what we ended up calling them, man. We ended up calling them blue team and red team because it was like, wait, what's the... I think it's like infiltrators and the... What's another word for resistance? The... Heroes. Something. It, and it, <laughs> and I guess guys. that's my point is... You know, we played for a good hour, and afterwards, we're like, I don't remember anyone's name or role. It's yeah, it's it was not as intuitive. But of course, that would go away if you played enough. Man, no app though. That that's also a turnoff. Yeah, you just have to have someone that says, "Everyone, close your eyes." Now, spies or red team, red open team. your eyes <laughs> and look at each other. Red team, close your eyes. Now, uh, first person, open your eyes and do your thing. And when you're done doing your thing, say task complete. But then, then you know who that is. Yeah, right. Well, you know, you don't you know that you go in order. You go around clockwise doing your abilities. Oh, I see. So it's everyone does it. Everyone does it. So okay. there is a difference between that. It's not just like drunk, open your oh, eyes. Okay, okay. Oh, well, he's the drunk. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So you just go through and it's cool because like the one is frick, man. I can't remember any of these rules. One of them is you get to touch someone <laughs> on your side. And it's cool because if you are a spy, if you're on red team, you're not allowed to touch anyone unless they are on red team with you. So then people can ask, hey, was anyone touched on the shoulder? And if no one was touched on the shoulder, you know that the re the, the toucher, I don't know what it is, the flat tour <laughs> is uh, uh, a spy on red team. Anyway, yeah. The old toucher. The, the old toucher. That old toucher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan, can I pay you to like narrate my life? <laughs> sure, man. Okay. I, I would love to. Here we go. Justin Erdman, regular man or superhero? See, perfect. I'll, regular I'll, I'll, man. <laughs> I'll send you $10. Regular man, Justin, have you played anything? Uh, yeah, I played uh, Alchemist over the weekend. Oh, let's hear it. Okay. Bing! So, so uh, Alchemist, you guys are all like fresh on the job, Alchemist, and you're trying to basically figure out what different ingredients are made up of to make potions. So it's part worker placement, part logic puzzle. Because you actually end up testing, like, you combine two different ingredients to see what kind of potion they make. Whether there's, like, red, blue, and green. Uh, red is health, blue is magic, and then green is, like, stamina, like any, like, video game, basically, RPG video game. And uh, there's, like, positives and negatives. So, like, the positives are always, like, good, and the negatives are always, like, hurting you in some way, shape, or form. So you go throughout the game putting guys down, like, trying to gather ingredients, sell potions to customers, um, and then trying to figure out what creates what. And then at the end of the game, you do this huge, like, exhibition and be like, oh, well, I can make all these potions. Ha, ha, ha. Um, it works out pretty well. I, what I like about it the most... Okay, that works too. <laughs> No, yeah, we can talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So. No, no. Um, but it's it's there's a couple of things I really like about it. One is there's an app with it, um, you know, much like uh, One Night, except this one. Unlike like, One Night Resistance, am I right, guys? One Night Revolution. <laughs> oh, sorry. Damn it. These names. <laughs> These names, so hard. Yeah, I'm really realizing One Night Revolution is the equivalent of King of Tokyo Monopoly because we played it and we're like, you guys want to do One Night Werewolf? <laughs> you guys want to go over here and uh, so what, what do you like about um yeah sorry let's keep going oh, that's, that's Mr. Not, derailer. 
Um, so the app, like it generates a four digit code that you like everybody types in on their phone and like so that way you guys know you're you're all playing the same game. But it like actually checks the cards for you and shows you what matches they make and stuff. So there's not any hassle of trying to keep all that stuff organized and not have people cheat at the same time. Because it's all, you know, obviously right there. Plus, it's a lot. Like, they've got a board. You can play without the app. But you need an extra person who doesn't do anything except show you what you create. It's, like, the most boring thing in the world. And I can't imagine anybody would actually use it. I might actually like doing that. (laughs) Okay, Steve, you would be the only I I like having that, like, in control and making sure people have fun. Oh, yeah. So, um, what I ended up doing was I sat out, but I still use the app. Because, like, the people I was playing with, they... Like, I want to make sure that they understood the game. The one thing I will say is it's a very in-depth game. And like I said, half of it's a logic puzzle. So there's like eight different combinations or eight. There's a, I don't even know how to explain it. There's like an element associated with each ingredient. And so there's ones that cancel each other out and it becomes a very big logic puzzle. And you get the sheet and you got to mark off like what it could be and what it couldn't be. Um which I really like. I like logic puzzles and like I play with my friends who also love that kind of thing. But if you don't, it's a huge problem because, you know, you're just not going to understand how the logic flows. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it makes the mo- it makes sense over audio form. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's not an easy game to explain. Plus, I suck at explaining things. So but no, it's it's a really fun game. Like the worker placement is done really well. Um, I think that it's got it's got a lot of theme to it. Like you can feel it. But yeah, you definitely need to like logic puzzles. I love the guy in the podcast saying, "Hey guys, I'm not good at explaining." <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part. I don't like so, to toot my own horn. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I know we're not a review podcast, but would you recommend that we play it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh sweet. What so, what company makes it? Check Games. Obviously. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> obviously. Check Games. Nice. Nice. All yeah. Right. That's awesome. Hmm. I'll have to look yeah. into that. And I can bring it over at some point too. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, awesome. Well, let's move into our middle segment. This our our first segment went ran way longer than it should. It's my fault, guys. It, it always it, is. Yeah, it is your fault. So what we'll it do is. to because I feel like we have so much to talk about. Our our middle segment here. Do we have middle? I don't know if we have segue music for the feature topic. You know, I have a great idea. Uh, let's uh, let's make it right now. You guys uh, make clock sounds really quick. Let's do it. Make clock sounds. I don't know how to make a clock sound. You can just go TikTok if you want to, SBJ. Oh. All right, right. Are we ready? Are we doing Yo, this? Yeah, do it. Do it. Okay. It's topic time. <laughs> there you go. I can't do that. It was, all right, we'll go with that for now. Uh, so... Our feature topic is <laughs> whew, is about Kickstarter games and uh, board gaming is such a big thing on Kickstarter. Uh, well, a lot of things are big big things on Kickstarter, but but really uh, there's a huge community uh, behind uh, making board games and getting them published and delivered through Kickstarter. Two Rooms and a Boom is a great example of a game that went through Kickstarter. Oh, and there has been some really great board games on Kickstarter, and there have been. A lot of flops, in my opinion, on Kickstarter. Or as I like to call them, kick farters. Uh, but in, in, in just trying to save time and making sure the show doesn't run over, let's just focus on one good one and one bad one, or maybe just 
if you have a lot to say about just one in particular, let's just focus on that because this is a topic we can always come back to because there's, I feel like, so much to talk about. So much. Why don't we just focus on kick farters then? We'll start with the negative so we can overcome it with the good. How's that sound? Sure. Plus, plus I only prepared kick farters. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you don't, out of, all, out of all the Kickstarters you've backed, you don't have any like amazing ones that come to mind? Of course I have amazing ones that come to mind, but I, I, I prepared kick farters. But I, you're the host, man. I will totally fall in line. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I have some surprise hits. Uh, go for it. Well, let, let's let's uh, let's focus on one kick farter then. Uh, okay. Mine is going to be kittens in a blender. Oh, I didn't back it. That's like one of the only ones I didn't back. It was my second Kickstarter I ever backed. It had uh, the estimation delivery date of August 2012. So this was kittens in a blender already existed. It was a game that I bought at my local game store when I was first getting into board gaming. It was probably one of the first 10 games I've ever bought. And I primarily bought it because it was a $10 game and uh, it had a cat on the box. And I didn't know much about board games at the time. So this was all takes a cute. You saw the cat. Yeah, you're like, I'm done. Yeah, I was like, it's under $10 and there's a cat in the box. I've I've spent worse. I spent $10 worse before. Uh, So this was prior to August of 2012 because obviously I already owned the game. I saw that they did a Kickstarter for an expansion. I was like, great. Um, it was a four player game at the time. The expansion, I think brought it up to six players, but besides that, it was like $12 to back for the expansion. Come to 2015. I just got the game a month ago. Whoa, but you could buy it. You could still buy it at a store. You could. It took the expansion, only the expansion three years to make. And what they did is they sent everyone who bought the expansion for $12. They sent them a sealed copy of the original game. In, 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 in. I'm, I'm glad it was sealed. <laughs> uh, well, they, they redid the packaging. I don't know if the cards are any different. I haven't even opened it. And then they sent the expansion, which... I, uh, it's frustrating because it's the game already existed. Have you already... Did you play it with the expansion? I haven't. No, I haven't even opened it. So it may be awesome and totally worth the three years, or is three years worth nothing? Uh, I don't know if three years is worth nothing, but it's... For a game that was already manufactured on the market, for them to do an expansion, which was just the cards that they already had designed, to come three years, it's, it is extremely frustrating to go, like, what happened, guys? You're only making a card game. And I guess I could say the same about Two Rooms and a Boom. Only losers and bozos are laid on their Kickstarters. But, Let's be very clear on that. But I think the difference between Two Rooms and a Boom and Kittens and a Blender is... I could walk into a store and buy Kittens in a Blender. I couldn't walk into a store and buy Two Rooms in a Boom. Like That was the first time you guys were doing that. At some point, Kittens in a Blender went through that process to end up on a store shelf. Yeah, you could always print and play it. That's, yeah, that's what Is I that was. what you were going to say, Justin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a pretty painful BGG post about how horrible the published version is of Two Rooms in a Boom compared to the print and play but I can't help but feel, are you printing on plastic? Like, what What kind yeah. of gold are you printing? There's not on? a single print and play I really like. And it's very hard, in my opinion, to sell a print and play to friends because they're just like, what is this? Uh, there's yep. there, There's been some versions of the Two Rooms print and play that have been really well done. I mean, I've got some crazy friends, but I nothing compares to the actual published version, I don't think. I don't think it's possible. 
Oh, you guys. So that was that was my bust. I have a more failures in Kickstarter, but for being my only being the second thing I've ever backed on Kickstarter and waiting over three years for it. Pretty disheartening, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we can come back to this because I got so many. <laughs> Justin. I I don't know. It seems like you guys back bad Kickstarters. I don't know. I just do research and see if it's going to be good. <laughs> I, I don't know. Do you have one that stands out like a good Kickstarter that came through? Uh, there was one, um, okay, so this one is not perfect, so we'll go with this one. Um, <laughs> I can't, I, I can't even think of the name of the game right now. It's a spy game. But it was, I, I, so I feel games. like I already know which one you're talking about. It, but. It's like Tales of Arabian Nights. Oh, Agents of Smirsh. Oh, okay. Agents of Smirsh. I did the video for that, yo. Yeah, I know you did. But, uh, so, uh, I, I didn't think know that the was game, a Kickstarter game. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, it's a really fun game. I really like it. The Jason one Maxwell, thing. Well, he's one of the nicest guys you'll meet too with Ape Summit Games. It's his own personal company. It's a one man show. He did all of that. It's hilarious. Keep on going, Justin. It's it's a really good game. I think the biggest problem I have with it is the rules were terrible. Like that rule book was not easy to read at all. I still go back to it every time we play because things don't make sense. But I I love Tales of Arabian Nights and it's got that huge book with it and it's very it's spy themed it's really good. Yeah, to, to give a thorough explanation for those that don't know Tales of Arabian Nights or Agents of Smirsh, it is a complete story driven game. It has this amazing algorithm where you go around the board traveling and you get different items and you different get get different traits. For instance, you could get injured like with a broken leg. And that will change the story potentially for the rest of the game because you get into a situation and you have to say, I have a broken leg and I'm in Paris and what happens? And the most memorable game I've played of Agents of Smirsh, it was just this bizarre coincidence, but I was a Soviet spy and every single mission I went on, I always lost my shoe. It was just hilarious. <laughs> like even in a submarine, like one mission was go into the submarine and to make sure you set the bomb, then escape. And I'm like, all right, I roll the dice and check the algorithm out and I'm going to choose this option. I'm going to go use my scuba suit. What happens? You make it out, but barely, and you left your shoe behind. So it was just ridiculous. <laughs> like I just kept on leaving my shoe behind. And this is in a book. I didn't say this. The whole book did. It was incredible. So, hey, good choice, man. Yeah, I mean, and Jason did a really good job of writing all those scenarios up because, I mean, there is a lot in that book and they all feel like you're doing something badass spy related. How late was that Kickstarter? <sighs> Man, I got that game already two years ago. I would say it was probably like six months late, I think. Oh, that's pretty good, actually. Six months is not bad, especially for a one-man show. Yeah, that's pretty no. good. Yeah. Uh, Alan, what you got for us? All right. Uh, I think the one that's probably worth the mention to mention the most is the Doom that came to Atlantic City. Because oh, yeah. that one's... That's the classic one that did really well and really had its sets on sights on full. For instance, um, was it Kingdom Death that we were talking about with you and Sean mm -hmm. and yep. the really expensive? And how you thought, man, this game's way too big. No way is it going to be made. This is vaporware. Yes. Well, that probably came from the doom that came to Atlantic City because all these artists were hired and these sculptors were hired. And it was supposed to be a Monopoly type version of Cthulhu where instead of buying properties you actually destroyed them and then if you destroyed enough you could open a portal and summon an elder god I can't believe 
that 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 scenario and theme had appeal. A lot of well, Cthulhu fans out there, man, and the idea of Monopoly meets Cthulhu is kind of appealing to a lot of people. But the thing was, the guy was really late, and he's saying, hey, and he spent all the money on opening up a business and making an office instead of actually publishing the game and eventually just wrote an update. Yeah, spent it. Sorry. I remember Not that, making yeah. It. Yeah. Which is why Cryptozoic is a super classy uh, company. Corey Jones is one of the leads there. Maybe he is the leader guy when I think of Cryptozoic. And they went ahead and they published it and gave it to the backers that backed it for no charge at their expense. I mean, it was kind of a marketing ploy for them to say like, hey, we're a really awesome company. We believed in this game. We're going to make sure it sees the light of day. They did that, and I think that's one of the amazing stories of how tight the tabletop industry is. Yeah, it's really cool. I remember reading the article about the guy saying, like, oh, like, the money's gone. Like, I can't even refund you because I spent it all on production. And then, like, the Kickstarter backers, like, researched and, like, looked at his LinkedIn and looked at his Facebook and, like, figured out that he, like, moved across the country and, like, yep. built, like got an office and everything and... Obviously, that's where the money went. Right. And then yeah. it was probably six months after he said, oh, well, sorry, guys. No game. Uh, this is why when Sean and I bought our new homes with our Kickstarter money, we made sure we took no Facebook pictures, <laughs> no tweets about it whatsoever. We hid that stuff. Then when Cryptozoic bought it, or I don't know, did they did they buy it from him or did the guy just give it to him for free? Was that ever disclosed? We should ask Sean's lawyer about that. That's not in my discipline. Sorry, I, I don't know anything about anything that you're talking about. Thanks, lawyer. I have no idea. He doesn't either. But yeah, for them to... <laughs> for them really to make to... the game and then send it going. out, and now I can walk into my local board game store and I can see it on the shelf, is really cool. And I'm sure they... Hopefully they've made their money back from it because that that seems like a big loss for the company. Yeah. That's... That story actually reminds me of another Kickstarter, um, Odin's Raven. I didn't back it because I already owned the original version. It just reminded the, me that I backed it. You did? Yeah, nice. I did back yeah. one. So, I mean, you could tell the story too, but I I just followed it because I like the Cosmos two-player games. I think I've said that before. But this guy's like, oh, I'm going to totally like remake this. The designer and everybody's cool with it. And they made like a lot of money off the Kickstarter. And then as soon as the Kickstarter was over – Nobody heard from him again. It was like two years. I'm like, people were trying to get their money back and everything else. And it was a I've, nightmare. I have a whole list here of people that have cut and run on <laughs> on my Kickstarter things. I just thought the doom that came to Electric City had to be mentioned. And I do want to say that that is why Sean and I definitely were inspired to promise our backers we're not going to spend the money on anything until you guys get your game. And in fact, truth be told, Sean and I still haven't seen a personal dime for our backer from our Kickstarter yet. We haven't paid ourselves because we had to make the company and you have to create a fiscal year, mm. whatever, counting stuff. I've been burned for $350 on one Kickstarter. I was really into getting my wife into games. So they had a, hey, get a character made into a game, sold. Because I loved putting my wife in the games. I don't know why. Maybe it's a weird fetish of mine. But <laughs> my wife's in a whole bunch of games out there from Kickstarter. And one of them looked really cool. And it was 3v3, like 3 versus 3, commissioned. 
and I spent $350, nothing. And then the guy just wrote his backers, hey, I'm dealing with depression. Really sorry. It's an illness, but nothing, nothing. And that was almost four years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's rough. I, I remember Kins in a Blender. I think they were charging like 100 or $150 to have your cat be one of the cats featured. You would send them a picture of your cat and they would illustrate it onto the card. And I was real close to pulling the trigger on that. And I'm so glad I didn't. Yeah, that's that's it's really sketchy when you got especially those upper levels like that. Yeah, I mean, not, you, you see now like a lot of game companies like uh, Indie Board and is that what Indie Board and Cards? Indie, indie Board and Cards. Indie Board Travis and Cards. Like when I see them do a Kickstarter, I know it's going to be done from start to finish. Right. Yeah. But, but like. But you get like Tuesday night games with two rooms and a boom, and you're like, well, can they actually pull it off? Like, what's going to happen? We can pull it off, but it'll be late. You can't win them all. <laughs> uh, no, we've really learned from the lesson. I think all of our future Kickstarters uh, that we'll do, we are hell-bent on making sure that they're reliable as hell because, man, trust us, I didn't want to hear any of the grief that we got rightfully so from this last one so for our own self-preservation and for our own sleep we definitely will make sure that we have already submitted art files to the printer by the time our kickstarter reaches near its funding so russian roulette is your next one yeah yeah sean wants me to start pitching that as like a shameless plug thing so <laughs> hey world championship russian roulette coming to kickstarter hopefully this holiday season there you go shameless hey. plug Shameless plug. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys want to go more in depth about Kickstarter next week or you had something else in mind you want to talk about. Maybe favorite convention since we're about to go to BGGCon. How's that sound? Yeah, that's good. That's yeah, good. convention like stories. It. Favorite conventions. Convention yeah. stories for next week. If, uh, if any of our listeners have anything they want to share regarding that, you can always email us at podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com and uh, we're more than happy to read your emails on the show. It's really cool. And don't forget if you have somebody you want to be on the show, uh, like a game designer or a game, somebody at a game company, uh, tweet at them and then include our, our Twitter as well. So we can kind of start that conversation. We want to get, um, we want to start getting guests on the show because we think that would be cool for you guys. Really quick. Uh, any of you guys doing the extra life, um, all night gameplay charity thing this weekend? No. No. No? No? Just me? Just me? Okay. Just, yeah. All right. But by Let's the time see. they listen to this... It'll be over anyway, so I'll have a over. crap ton of games to talk about next week. Perfect. Uh, well, let's wrap up the show. Our last segment is uh, uh, interrogation. And now we are going to interrogate each other. <laughs> One question... One answer. Interrogation. Which involves us asking each other one question to get to know each other better. Alan, would you like to begin? Sure. Uh, man, I'm tempted to ask SBJ why you hate Justin so much, but instead I think I'll ask SBJ, why do you hate charity so much? <laughs> uh, this is... This is a conversation we were having before the show. Yeah. 
Uh, Don't like uh, the Extra Life charity, apparently. Yeah, you asked me if I was participating in the Extra Life, and I said, nah, I don't really care for that kind of stuff. And then you took it as, I don't like charity. Well, no, you left it hanging. You said, I don't like that stuff. I was like, oh, okay. Like, you don't like charities? (laughs) (laughs) So my problem is, and it's not that I don't like charity. uh, I've definitely donated to many charities and... Uh, I've hosted art shows where all the money went to charity. Like I've donated uh, thousands of dollars to Child's Play charity. But the reason I don't like Extra Life is because I know that most of the people doing it, their motive isn't to donate to kids. Their motive is to get more people to watch their Twitch stream. And I find that very... Selfish? Yeah, very selfish. So in my mind, it's it's more of like, Oh, uh, like uh, I, I have a couple people watching my stream or I have like uh, I have a couple followers. But if I use the extra life hashtag and I tell people that I'm doing this for charity, even though I'm going to be streaming games anyways, like that's the ticket in to get more people to watch my stuff. This is how ignorant I am. I didn't even realize that it's for video games, too. Yeah. Dumb because the logo is a controller for a video game. <laughs> Why was I thinking it was only for board games? Oh, I'm so dumb, guys. <laughs> so dumb. No, a lot of a lot of board gamers do it, and those that's kind of the ones I like to watch because you normally don't see see and Twitch at all, ever. right? Which is which is awesome, but Wait, like I, I don't like like it just bothers me that people use that as an excuse to like try to draw in viewers to their site when like that is their marketing ploy. Like this is how I'm going to get advertisement to get people to watch me. But, I mean, it's not all those people. Like, if you or I or Alan were to, you know, actually twitch it, like, you know, we're just doing it to be good to, yeah. you know, children's yeah, charities. So. That's, that, that's on my part where, like, I'm, I obviously don't know. It's, I, I know it's not all those people, but it's still it's, – it's, it's annoying because I know it's, it's some people right. that, that don't do it. Like, when you see, like, big streamers – like get like $50,000 for charity. That is awesome. And they're really doing that because their presence is already so big. But then you see those little streamers, the ones that are like desperate to get viewers and they use the extra life charity to be like, Oh, I can get two more viewers. And they, they end up at the end of the day donating $15. And yeah, that's still great. That's awesome. But like, I don't know, just, you could have just donated the $15. yourself. Those little streamers. Total confession, I I don't totally get Twitch. I guess I'm, what's that You're too Twitch? Old. You're I'm too old. I I've watched the Dark Souls two BB no Dark Souls one Twitch, and that's all I've watched of Twitch ever. As a as a Hots player, I'm surprised you don't watch more of that. Yeah, well, <laughs> life. Twitch all right, SBJ, is a, What's your question? Twitch is a whole another conversation that we can go in depth in. I hate feeling old and out of touch, but that's definitely one of them. <laughs> no, no, I'm with you. I, I, I don't fully understand the appeal to Twitch, and I'm not a lot younger than you, but I'm definitely younger than you. Uh, my question is to Alan. Oh. Alan, what is your real-life job? Oh. <laughs> Justin, do you know what I am in real life, or as they say I, in Twitch, IRL? I actually do know what you are. Yeah. Justin will tell you. Get a, get a load of this, SBJ. What am I, Justin? You're a professor, and I want to say it's psychology. 
You are correct, sir. I'm a psychology professor. Before that, I practiced clinical psychology, and most of my practice experience has been in the maximum security prisons with a whole bunch of drug dealers, murderers, rapists, and a surprising amount of pedophiles. But I got out of that and moved to California, worked there for a while, then came back to Ohio of O to work as a psychology professor here in the humble Cuyahoga Community College. Yeah, I love it. It's a dream job of mine. So I'm really happy. That's awesome. Yeah. Sweet. I was and doing, I was, I was stalking you a bit and I thought it was something in psychology, but I was leaning towards more that you were a therapist. When he says a bit, he means he was standing outside your house waiting for you and yes. then he followed you to your job. <laughs> okay. That was you, huh? All right. <laughs> I just thought it was one of the ex-prisoners for whom I was a therapist. Therapist is like a generic term. It's kind of like saying I hooked up with someone. You don't really know what happens. It could have been the whole thing. It could have just been kissing. So when someone's a therapist, they could be a psychiatrist. They could be a priest. They could be a marital family counselor. They could be a psychologist. You just don't know. But yeah. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Justin, question okay. to somebody. Yeah, to Alan. Okay, so as a backstory to this, Alan texts me at like the most inopportune times. It'll be like one o'clock in the morning. He'll be like, hey, do you want to play Heroes of the Storm? And I'm like in bed already. And I'm like, not really. So Alan, what is your favorite Heroes of the Storm character to play and why? First, I want to say, I think you're lying. <laughs> I don't think I've texted you ever in my life at one in the morning. Let the I, record I, show that uh, I don't, unless there's something going on with your phone, which makes sense why you never respond. Because this is this is the story from my end, Justin, Gert. I'm like, hey man, you want to play Heroes of the Storm? Three hours later, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but my favorite character of Heroes of the Storm, I'll be honest, I've only been playing it for about four weeks now. I'm a total noob. No idea which one <laughs> is. Uh, lately, I've been playing El Diablo. And I've been doing a whole bunch of uh, wrestling moves to all the other characters. It's one of the characters of the week. Nice. Yep. That's awesome. Oh, great. Well, I think that wraps up our show for you guys today. You guys got lucky and you got like a 50-minute show out of us. We got to cut that down, man. We got to cut a lot. We'll just cut everything Justin said out. Yeah, everything. Me out. Just completely. That'll save like five (laughs) minutes because I think Alan did about 30 minutes. Gosh darn it. I need to work on it. I just wanted you guys to experience the castle. No, no. It's so awesome. I'm just just sad that you didn't explain like Steve and my relationship more during the story. Like were we holding hands? Yeah, yeah. You were very vague about it. Oh, well... um, (laughs) Next time on Tuesday Night Podcast, we'll be talking about... Conventions and SBJ and Justin's romantic trip to the castle. <laughs> yes. So for our listeners, please uh, please leave us a review in iTunes. It does actually help other people find the show easier. And uh, like I stated, uh, at the beginning of the show, uh, we're going to give away another copy of Two Rooms and a Boom. You're welcome. To uh, one random person who leaves us an iTunes review. So thank you. We appreciate that in advance. Alan, where can our listeners find you? They can find me at Alan Gerding, A-L-A-N-G-E-R-D-I-N-G. Awesome. And Justin? Uh, at Ugurt87, Y-O-U-G-U-R-T-8-7. 
For some reason, I always thought it was yogurt, but that's fair. Yogurt, yogurt. I mean, people get it wrong all the time. It was yogurt. That's a story for another day. (laughs) All right. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter. It is at Dragging A Lake. And I feel like I'm supposed to be saying something else, but I don't know what that is. Check out World Championship Russian Roulette and next. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, that has been our show. And we are finished. Oh, you didn't let that linger enough at all.